Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Morning. It is Wednesday, February 3rd, National Signing Day. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined right now by Andrew Ivins, National Recruiting Analyst for 24-7 Sports. Andrew, we made it later on the show, or later this week on the show, I should say, I'll have Blair Angulo and his team tackle the winners and losers from National Signing Day as we look back later this afternoon, and and we'll have a 24-7 sports signing day show from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Central Time in Nashville this morning. If if you are listening and you're still in that window, check us out on 24-7 Sports' Facebook page and our YouTube page. But for now, without really knowing the final dominoes that are falling, Andrew, I think we have a good idea as to who is overachieving and who's underachieving. And you've put together a great list that's already up on 247sports.com. Before we get to that, I would just love your general thoughts on on this recruiting cycle and and on on finally arriving to signing day and, and wrapping this thing up in what was an extremely strange year. Well, Trey, I think it's a different signing day. I mean, I I don't know. This is, I guess, the dessert after a full course meal back in December where you're kind of like maybe picking at it, but it doesn't feel like an event of its own. It's just been weird. You know, you you look at these commit lists and you don't see 25, 26, 27 guys. A, A lot of schools have smaller numbers and that's in large part because the transfer portal has become so hot where guys want college transfers and not high school kids. So a lot different than in years past, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe this is the norm kind of moving forward with this traditional National Signing Day. Yeah, I was talking to Steve Wolfong on Monday's episode about how a lot of these classes who we'll get to, who you have as underachievers, Florida State or South Carolina, they're they're relying on the transfer portal so much. And and his point, he's not loving that. His point was you're not gonna not gonna make the college football playoff with the roster of transfers. And my counter to that was those teams, you know, not not in a position to make the playoff anyway. So they're, they're just trying to make a bowl game. So in many cases, the transfers help. But we'll start, Andrew, on a positive note. An overachiever that you have here as I look through our, our Google Doc notes, Ole Miss, number 19. Right now, as we currently record in the 24-7 Sports Composite Team Recruiting Rankings, that's, as you note, potentially school's highest ranked recruiting class since 2016. Yeah. I mean, when Lane Kiffin was hired to come in at Ole Miss, you were kind of expecting a few different things. I, I think a personality, which we've gotten, you know, him wearing the, the Flip Miss shirt, what he does on Twitter, you're expecting them to score points and move the ball. They did that in 2020. I think they had this uh, n- number one offense in, in terms of total offense, the SEC. And you also expected him to recruit. And this is his first real class. And um, this is starting to look like that that stretch a couple of years ago when Ole Miss 
just finished in the top 15 three years in a row. Uh, and depending on when you're listening to this on Wednesday, that Ole Miss class could get even better. They're in the running for one of the nation's top unsigned recruits, Taiwan Malone, a top 24-7 defensive tackle out of the New, Jer- New Jersey area. He actually is a baseball player. He's got a pretty nice swing as well. Rare to see a defensive tackle that plays both sports, but uh, he's good enough to do that. So uh, yeah, this is an impressive group. You know, I was out at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game back there in December. One of my favorite guys there was uh, MJ Daniels, a, a long athlete from right there in the Magnolia State. At the time, he was committed to Mississippi State. I mean, he was running around practice, had a pair of Bulldogs gloves on, wanted me to take a picture of him. And, and then I started talking with his dad who was in the stands and, and dad told me, he's like, well, hey man, Ole Miss is really in this. Like, I think, you know, we don't care where he goes, but I could see him ending up at Ole Miss and then bam, he flipped there. So Lane is definitely getting it done on the trail. And I think they're going to have a chance to do something special in, in 2022 uh, as well. Florida State is number 30 right now. You mentioned they've got a lot of transfers and you'll you'll talk about that. Transfers do not factor into the team recruiting rankings. But Andrew, I remember last year when Mike Norvell came on and had that transition class and that felt disappointing. And I went and looked at that ranking and it was 22. Yeah. So this is this is eight spots lower than what we perceived last year as a disappointment. Right. And and by the time we go to bed here on on Wednesday night, you know, I think FSU will maybe climb a little bit more in the rankings. There's still one big fish in play for them. Destin Hill, a wide receiver out of Louisiana. He would bump them up a little bit. But you look at this class and it wasn't too long ago when Florida State was like a lock to sign the number one ranked recruiting class in the ACC. And this year, they're not even going to finish with a top three group. And like you said, you know, you only get a certain amount of counters. You can only take a certain amount of guys a year. And the folks in Tallahassee, Mike Norvell, they wanted to invest some time and some of those numbers and the transfer portal, which makes sense. Look, college football, you have to win now these days. Uh, so you need veteran bodies, guys that are going to get UWs in 2021. But that kind of took away from what they were able to do with the high school kids. I, I you know there's some parts of this group I like, but it's not the Florida State of old man. And I know I'm going to get some some flack for putting them under the underachiever side of things. Excuse me. But look, man, that's the reality. I mean, I, I'm so used to Florida State, you know, in these signs days going after the best of the best. And it just seems like from the early signing period and national signing day now, it's just kind of not what it used to be. Well, at least you do note that in 2022, they do seem to be off to a, a hot start. So we'll see. They, they clearly need a good year on the field in 2021. Maybe the transfers help them with that if McKenzie Milton's fully healthy, and that could result in a really nice class of 2022. All right, Pitt staying in the ACC. Definitely an overachiever here. As we record, they're number 23. Last year, Pat Narduzzi's group was 45. And I believe you you're mentioning that like what what makes Pitt's class great is what has made their on-field product so solid over the years. Yeah, according to the 24/7 Sports Rankings database as far back as I could go, this is Pitt's best ranked recruiting class ever. And it's not like they did anything crazy on the field in 2020. I mean, they, they made a bowl game, won six games, but it, it wasn't like they played for an ACC title. I know they did the year before, but it hasn't been splashy. But they are go- about to put a bunch of guys in the NFL. I think they had four guys at the Senior Bowl. They have three defensive linemen that are all projected to be day one, day two type of guys. And I think they're using that on the recruiting trail. This group that ranks number 23 in the country, the top six signees are all on the defensive side of the ball. Four of them are defensive linemen. So this is a really good group. I think Narduzzi, you know, he's he's billed as a defensive coach and 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 
the defensive assistant, defensive line assistant there, Charlie Partridge, he does an excellent job, I think, of evaluating and recruiting. And he's a big reason why Pittsburgh is getting these guys. And I think it's a it's a, a special group. It's an exciting group. Elliot Donald, he's a local kid from right there. Naquan Brown, former LSU commit they pulled out of Virginia. I just think if you're another team in the ACC or that has had to play Pitt the past couple of years, you know they have a good defensive front. And you're thinking, hey, maybe these guys are graduating. Well, guess what? No, no they're not. I mean, they're just reloading with a different wave of talent. So I think it's a really good group for Pittsburgh. The College Football Daily will be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. South Carolina, like Florida State, an underachiever, like Florida State, trying to make up a few holes, fill a few holes in the transfer portal, but 94 in the nation, Andrew. And they were 19 the previous year. And as you mentioned, it's not just 94 in the nation. It's if the SEC rankings hold, it's 14 of 14 in the SEC, which is it's it's more important and it's worse. Yeah. I mean, like, what, I, like, what, what is this is bad? And there's just not that much to say that's not piling on because it's not really Shane Beamer's fault. He, he didn't inherit the best class, but it's, it hasn't gone in up at all. So here's my issue with the the South Carolina, wh- where they're going to finish in the recruiting rankings. And again, look, you know, they are in the transfer portal. They're trying to rebuild and uh, flip the roster there. But when you fired Will Muschamp in mid-November, you know, that was to give whoever the next coach was some time to recruit. And, and Shan- Shane Beamer was hired, I-, I believe it was December 6th. So that was about a week and a half before the early signing period. And I know the 2020 cycle has been different. There's no visits. You can't get a big official visit week. And in, but Beamer has in his staff. I know there's been a ton of turnover there as well. He hires a guy, then they leave. They haven't really won any battles, and it's like to me, it's it, that's a little kind of not alarming, but it's not promising. I, I think in terms of what that staff's going to be able to do from a recruiting standpoint, and we'll see once they get a full year under them, once they can get some kids on campus. But I mean, Will Muschamp this time last year, the the big storyline. I, I know you did a college football daily podcast. They held on to Jordan Burtz, the five star defense alignment. This year, the biggest win for South Carolina looks like they're going to sign a linebacker that was previously committed to Memphis. So it's just a complete opposite. And again, I don't think it's Beamer's fault, but at the end of the day, this potentially could be the worst SEC recruiting class from a ranking standpoint since the the conference expanded to 14 teams. That's quite the stat. Wisconsin, an overachiever. They have been ever since it's been a year and we've been doing variations of this article, overachiever, <laughs> underachiever. Every single time Wisconsin comes in and it says an overachiever. And I remember last like last year, Steve Wolfong was doing a video on class off to the hottest start. And Wisconsin was in the top 10. And he was like, look, they're not going to stay in the top 10. They just have a lot of commits right now, but this is the top 20 class. You look at their history and it's like, hmm. I don't know, man. 
as you know, Andrew, the average 10 year average for them is 44th, but they're 16th right now. This is a really strong class for Paul Christ. And it's one of those ones when you kind of dig into it, I can't really put my finger on why it is uh, 16. Look, the, the, the global shutdown, the, the pandemic, it's been documented how that helped a lot of kids, a lot of schools keep local talent home. And Wisconsin cleaned up in state the cycle. They got the top six kids from that state. Three of those guys were four stars. And they also had a big advantage with five-star offensive tackle Nolan Rucci. His brother's actually a tight end at uh, Wisconsin right now. So that, that got him off to a good start. What I think is even more impressive, though, is they recruited really nationally in a year where kids could not come check out Wisconsin. They couldn't experience uh, that game day atmosphere and environment there. And, and the coaches couldn't go out on the road and meet face-to-face to them. So they figured a way to get it done, sign kids out of California, Florida, New Jersey, Tennessee. I mean, it's a, it's a it's an impressive group. And look, they, they're, they're going to get finished 16th this year. Last year, they were 26. I mean, we'll see if they can keep it going. I just think at the end of the day, though, it, it, maybe their success is going to kind of be dictated or, or hinge on just how good the talent pool is locally or in, in state each cycle. I spent a lot of Saturday nights staying up late and watching Oregon State. They were a covering machine. I like their uniforms. <laughs> I like the way they play. I'm disappointed to see the Beavers at number 117 as we record here, sandwiched between UAB and Kent State. And that's for some perspective, there are 130 teams uh, in college football. And again, Oregon State is 117. This is eye-opening. Yeah. I mean, the five-year average for Oregon State, they normally finish somewhere in in the 50s and they're 65 power five teams. So they're in that 55 to 60 range, which is the back end of the power five. But this, again, like you try to run the calculations and, and go back as far as you can. I think this might be one of the worst power five cl- recruiting classes ever. And, you know, I was just talking to some people at my gym and I was trying to explain this to them and they're like, that's insane. Uh, and, it, and it is. I You're did some digging. You at your gym about Oregon State? <laughs> well, I mean, they're big, they're big uh, recruiting fans or, or college football fans. I mean, I was just telling them how, how to write this story and they, and they found it pretty interesting. And I did some digging in, in another school that wants to kind of use transfers to kind of boost that roster and, and turn things around. But uh, it seems like the core root of the issue is they don't have a lot of scholarships available in terms of that 85. I think they took some big classes in the years prior. So not a lot of numbers to work with. Um, They've also been really active getting walk-on, preferred walk-ons to commit to them. So they're trying to change it. But yeah, man, this is unusual. And I think it'll be interesting to see where they are next year because you can't go finish in the hundreds back-to-back years and expect to be competitive in, in the Pac-12. Yeah, we had Jonathan Smith on the on the College Football Daily last year talking about the transfer portal, and they were kind of ahead of the curve in that, and, and now everyone else is doing it. We'll, we'll see if they can get any wins in 2022 on the recruiting trail. All right, last one of any category. It's an overachiever finishing on a high note. People will love this one. Jackson State and Andrew, you've been crushing it on the Jackson State beat, probably about time to think about getting a second property in in Jackson. Um, Deion Sanders, I'm surprised he's doing so well. I thought this was going to be a hire that made headlines for a week or two and didn't really result in anything, but he's actually convincing kids to play for him at Jackson State. 
Yeah, uh, they're up to like 85 in the rankings. I, I went through on Monday night and added a kid who had, I guess, committed a few days ago, and that shot them up even more. I mean, this class is going to be the best uh, HBCU recruiting class ever. And, you know, what does that mean to the average listener? Probably not much, but like, look, Liberty went 10 and 1 in, in 2020. They're behind Jackson State in the rankings. UAB won a conference USA championship. They're behind Jackson State in the rankings. I mean, this class, it's obviously. Obviously got Dion, Coach Prime's kid, Shadur Sanders, a four-star quarterback. He's kind of the headliner, but there's a ton of other like talented, talented kids, other kids who had power five opportunities. Javante Gardner, he was an offensive lineman from Florida, committed to the in-state Gators. Uh, he ends up signing with Florida. Trevante Rucker, another Sunshine State kid, was committed to the Gators, ends up at Florida. Dejon Warren, uh, the nation's, I think he's the number one ranked junior college cornerback, was committed to Georgia, uh, signed with Jackson State. They got Charles Armstrong, an offensive lineman that was going to go to Arizona State. You know, Now he's going to Jackson State. And look, Maybe these guys didn't have the opportunities at those schools. Some things change. You know, recruiting classes are always fluid as kids look around, schools look around as well. But hey, I mean, those kids could have gone to another Power Five. They could have gone to an FBS school, but instead they're choosing and electing to go play for Deion Sanders at, at Jackson State. So I'm interested to see how this goes. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that Jackson State is playing a spring football season. So if they win some games, I think that's only going to generate more interest moving forward. And Dion has been just as active as in, in the portals of all these other schools we've talked about. I mean, they've added a bunch of power five kids there. So I was skeptical of this hire from the jump, but look, man, he's getting some talent there. Yeah. I'm cynical when it comes to him and you know, how much, how much he's actually going to spend doing it and, and how much he really like cares about putting this great product that's not just on the field, but like this, this good experience and probably right that a few things fell through with a Florida state or a Georgia or Florida to send some kids to Jackson state. But I mean, it's just so it's such a huge story that they're, that they're going, okay, all right, I'll go to FCS Jackson state, which has no proof of concept instead of UAB or South Alabama or Southern miss. Like th this is, this speaks to, to Deion Sanders, Andrew, like we're, we're the same age. And even we came up by, by the time we were coming up, like Deion Sanders was a little bit ahead of us as far as like, we, we kind of missed the prime time and, and, and all that. And, and the fact that he's, he's resonating with 18 year olds right now, despite being out of the game for so long, I think it's, I think it's pretty wild. And I'm, I'm excited to see what happens there, despite the fact that we were all skeptics. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember Dion. You would see him at seven on seven tournaments because he, he used to be just be a high school coach, and it would always surprise me the amount of kids that would come up to him in between games to get like a a, a photo with him or or whatnot. And it's surprising, like it it really is to me. And look, man, if if Jackson State's going to be the school that gets you know kids that are dropped or whatnot, like I, I, I'm here for it. it. Gives me something to watch. Yeah, I'll definitely try to find a few of their games this spring. Nothing else going on anyway. All right, this is really good, Andrew. I'm excited to uh, to put this episode out and, and have everyone listen. I think it's perfect day of signing day content, especially on a day in which there aren't that many dominoes. You can follow Andrew Ivins on Twitter at Andrew underscore Ivins. Our producer is Lance Glenn. I'm Trey Scott. Hope everyone enjoys their national signing day. We'll be back tomorrow with winners and losers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 